This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here you go. Here you go. Relief. Nothing personal. Word of the day for December 23rd is relief. As in plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Or as in medicine you take to give you intestinal relief. Or headache relief, pain relief. Relief is used so often, isn't it? It's a great word. The definition of relief is changing the way your body or mind reacts to something that causes it pain or anxiety and having that feeling go away. The underlying issue doesn't go away, but the pain that you feel because of that issue gets relieved. But you got to do it again four to six hours later. Sometimes eight hours. So relief is not a solution. I want to make sure that people don't misunderstand our word of the day. When something gets relieved, now you could say debt relief, student loan relief. It's really the wrong word, isn't it? If you don't ever have to pay it back, it's called forgiveness. Headache relief. That doesn't take away why you have a headache. If you want to get rid of your headache, You can skip the Tylenol and go right to getting rid of the noise that's giving you the headache or changing your life to get rid of the stress that's giving you a stomach ache instead of taking the relief that makes it so you're not sitting on the can eight times a day. Relief, however, is a multi-billion. I'm going to say trillion, Coca. Let's do it. Relief is a trillion dollar business. Why is relief the nothing personal word of the day? Because yesterday... The COVID relief bill made it out of the House and the Senate. Relief is coming your way. $600 if you're a family that makes $75,000 or fewer. $1,200. Wait a minute. It's $1,200, $600 per person, $1,200 max per family, I think. Whatever. That's not my point of this segment. My point is that they called it a COVID relief bill. And there is so much misunderstanding. Forget the facts of whether or not you're going to get a $600 stimulus check where you were hoping to get 1200 or if you're making 150 grand or less as a family, you're still eligible for the 600 or 75 or less as an individual. Then you're eligible for the 600. It was supposed to be 1200. They were hoping to be 1200. President Trump wants it to be more, maybe 2,000. People started celebrating. The market went down. Interesting. People started celebrating, saying, finally, there's more relief. There's small business relief. There's more 
stimulus money available for companies to borrow and not pay back. Why is it then that so many people went so public saying it's not enough? The level of relief is not enough. One of the most famous people to come out is a Hollywood celebrity named Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano, former girlfriend of our entire pitching staff, at once, might I add, although I'm not sure that it was concurrent versus consecutive. And I also know that it did not make its way to the executive suite, as sad as that may be, or as thankful as that may be for some. Sent out a uh, tweet with a full misunderstanding of what the COVID relief bill is and commented how disappointing it was that foreign aid to Israel was part of the COVID bill. Why are we giving Israel money when we should be giving Americans money who can't make their rent? She immediately got called out. She then went into a 12 post explanation. By the way, when you're on Twitter and you have to do one slash and then two slash, three slash, four slash, because you run out of characters. Here's an idea. Write a document, write a letter. If you can't get it done in 240, it's the wrong venue. The reason why she got called out is she had a complete misunderstanding. The entire bill that was passed was also a bill. COVID relief was part of it. But it was also a bill that included all sorts of other things and not pork, which is an expression for things that are necessary, but things that are necessary for our military industrial complex. It included aid to many different countries, of which Israel is only one and not the biggest. As you may know, America, as part of what we do in paying taxes, we send money everywhere. We help everybody. Some people may not like that because they feel as though if you're not helping yourselves, why are you helping others? Stay out of it. I think what people don't understand is that when we give money to other countries, it's in our best interest because we've got companies here in America who count on business from other countries. That's the whole concept of what the military industrial complex is. Criticize it as you may. Defense spending means that companies which employ people like you and me with jobs, their whole job is to provide weaponry or other sort of equipment to the military, either here or abroad. It's an entire business. So often when, as an example, just to bring it into sports, so CBS doesn't freak out on a random Wednesday, do you remember when the NBA stopped playing and, and then the then MLB didn't start and everyone said, God, that stinks, no sports, I'm upset. And then there was an epiphany. Wait a minute. What about the people who flip hot dogs and sell concessions and take tickets? What about the people who work for bars in the surrounding areas of stadiums that are now empty? Wow, we better do something for them. My name's Mark Cuban and I'm going to take care of as many people as I can for as long as I can. It's not just the sports world. If you cut a defense budget to zero and you don't give aid to anybody, do you know how quickly that will trickle down to the loss of tens of thousands of jobs, 
creating a far bigger economic issue than exists because of COVID. Businesses have to adjust and they have. They found a way, not all of them, and that's perfectly normal. So before you criticize a bill, make sure you understand the bill. And I am not criticizing the bill. I'm not saying it's the perfect bill. There is no perfect bill that ever comes out of Congress. If you've ever watched Schoolhouse Rock, it doesn't exist because bills are negotiated agreements. And in an unprecedented time of pandemic, at least unprecedented for those who are alive today, it requires an unprecedented level of bipartisan agreement. And that agreement by definition means that you will have not gotten everything you want. The Democrats would like to give more money to everybody. The Republicans would like to give less money to certain people, more money to other people. Not one of them is right. Not one of them is wrong. There are people saying $600 is not nearly enough when you owe five grand. That's true. But it's $600 more than they otherwise would have had. How many people do you know who live off the government, whether it's off welfare subsidies or food stamps? How many people do you know in a community that require the assistance of the homeless shelters, of the meals and of the services, the needle exchanges and other services that are done in order to help people not spread disease, help people find a roof over their head, a place to live and a place to eat? Governments are not collecting taxes in the way they were, which means their services are being taxed, no pun intended, in a way they did not ever contemplate. There is compromise, there's negotiation, there are issues. And when Hollywood stars step up or sports media personalities or me, the danger is that you are watching nothing personal and forming your opinion on the bill that came out of Congress and on whether or not aid should go to Israel or Pakistan or Egypt or Norway or Denmark on whether or not 600 is enough, should it be two grand, on whether or not Trump is going to veto the bill, which he's threatening to do, but has not said he will, even though that veto can be completely overridden because the stimulus bill passed swimmingly in the Senate and in the House. Don't take my word for it that part of the bill makes sure the government doesn't shut down on December 29th, which, by the way, do you know how many thousands of workers get impacted by a government shutdown because they don't get paid? people on your street in your building. But don't take my word for it. You know what we like doing on Nothing Personal. Just educate yourself. Read some articles. Don't read just CNN. Read CNN and Fox. Don't read just CNN and Fox. Read different op-eds, different articles. Understand the issues and then form an opinion and decide whether or not your government is doing for you what you want your government to do. And if they're not, vote them out. The word of the day is relief because relief does not mean the underlying problem disappears. It just means you get a little bit of relief and then four hours later, your head's going to hurt again. How relieved is Kevin Durant and obviously sports versus COVID relief and the Stimulus Act, two different things. But just out of curiosity, Kevin Relant, Kevin Relant, that's relief in Durant as a, an amalgam. 
Kevin Durant took the court last night. The NBA season started. We talked about it yesterday. So last night at about 7 p.m. when the first game was on, I wasn't thinking because normally doubleheaders are 8 o'clock and 10.30. I didn't really realize the games were 7 o'clock and 10. I know 7 o'clock. Excuse me. If you're watching on YouTube, all I can say is I'm sorry. If you're listening, you have no idea what just happened. So baseball games start at seven. Basketball games that are nationally televised are normally eight. Seven o'clock comes, and I'm thinking there's nothing to do but finish what I was watching, which is a movie. But what I did discover is that basketball started, and on comes Kevin Durant with Kyrie Irving, with Steve Nash coaching, Steph Curry The Nets crushed the Warriors. Kevin Durant is back. The Warriors are not. And I do have a question. And here's my question about the NBA. When you're watching the games and then you're watching the late game and you're watching the Clippers beat the Lakers and you're looking at Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Paul George have a great game and you're watching the Lakers get their rings and you know that obviously the pick of the day, if we had done a pick of the day, which we're never going to do a pick of the day until the new year because we're 39 and 39 and we knew when to say when yesterday, but you knew we'd fade the Lakers because whenever you get a ring, you're going to lose. I watched the Heat get several rings and get crushed opening nights. Were you thinking to yourself, Are these players ready? Because I couldn't get that concept out of my head. I couldn't get the concept of, are they ready to play? The off season was too short. And are they playing for rings or are they playing for money? And I'm watching LeBron James flash his fourth ring. And I'm listening to Kawhi Leonard saying that he's going to opt out of his contract at the end of this Clippers season after the most tumultuous season in Clippers history, which is saying a lot. It's not. It's the second most tumultuous. The first most tumultuous is when Don Sterling was forced to sell a team. So the second most tumultuous period in Clippers history with their playoff meltdown. And Kawhi Leonard watches Paul George sign a max deal and then says, you know what? The best thing for me to do is to play out this year, not exercise the player option, which I have for next year. And then we'll see what happens. Let's see how the year goes. I found myself incredibly distracted watching Kawhi Leonard, which is the worst nightmare for Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA. Because what they want you to do is watch games with reckless indifference toward any off-the-court issues. Don't think about labor. Don't think about the fact that you could lose your favorite player. Don't think about anything but the hope that you have night one that your team can win a championship. That's really all they are focused about or caring about. And I wonder if it's because of nothing personal or because of the fact that I was in sports for 18 years. But what makes me feel as though the enjoyment is going and the business side has just reared its head and it pokes out like a -a whack-a-mole everywhere I look on the court. I'm watching the fact that the NBA is not in a bubble and I'm watching all the seats tarped and thinking to myself, wow, the NBA is doing what MLB did. Are there going to be outbreaks? Are we more advanced now with vaccines starting that we're not going to have a uh, Marlins Cardinals situation? Is NBA going to be better off than the NFL where there's positive tests, but they keep going? Will the NBA have to switch games? Then I'm looking around at sponsors and what they're putting on the court. All these things are in my head. I'm watching Kawhi Leonard take some mid-range shots, which Ty Luce said he wanted him to do. We're bringing back the mid-range game, he said. That's funny. 
You know what coaches do in there, by the way, totally off the subject. When coaches are hired, you know the personality that we've told you about, which is when you've got a strong guy, you then bring a nice guy. When you're sick of the nice guy, you fire him, bring in the mean guy. It's sort of the the Jack McKeon, Freddie Gonzalez, or Lou Pinella approach with, with the Yankees. He's sort of a fiery guy. Ty Lue has brought in the anti-Doc Rivers, according to the players already. And Ty Lue said, we're going to put Kawhi in a position where he can be like Jordan and he can be like Kobe. We're going to put the triangle offense in there. He didn't mention Paul George's name. He said, we want Kawhi Leonard to have his moment because now our game is dunks and threes, but Kawhi Leonard is a mid-range monster. So I'm watching Ty Lue on the sideline. They hadn't won a preseason game, which of course doesn't matter at all. No one cares about preseason records. No one who runs a team ever knows what their preseason record is, by the way. That's one time players are being totally honest when they say, listen, we were 0-3 in preseason. It doesn't matter. I like the fact that we were able to run our plays. We got our reps in. That actually is totally correct. So Kawhi Leonard with his new mid-range game had a good game. George had a good game. NBA had a good start. There's a full slate tonight. And we now start the 72-game slog of a regular season as ML, as NBA does everything it can to get itself to another bubbleless playoff. It's going to be interesting. I'm excited NBA is back. If your team starts tonight, watch the game. But we're not picking one of them. So players sign, Right. There was free agency in the NBA. It was in a frenzy, like it always is. Once free agency is possible, all of a sudden players are switching teams. They're signing. Max deals are being signed. Baseball has been a much slower role. Baseball spring training purportedly starts in only. The way the calendar works in baseball in a normal year is the last week of December, so starting right about now, was really the only week you had off. So there was really not much going on. There's no baseball. There's no signings. There's no trades. It's, it's really vacation time for executives. They close their offices because once January 1st comes, or in this case, it's Monday, January 4th of 2021, had 2021 been a normal year, that is when you really get started because you've got arbitration coming up where you take your players and either settle with them or you go into the room and fight about what their salary is going to be. You finish up making your spring training roster and you're getting ready for a spring training, which starts generally 45 days after the beginning of the new year. So about February 15th. So that's when your clock gets ready for next season. Well, there was an announcement today with the Mets and it was a, so you want to talk to Samson. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. Thank you for subscribing on YouTube. If you're watching this, thank you. And just hit subscribe on the channel, Nothing Personal with David Sampson, where you're watching these videos. If you're watching this video because it's posted on Twitter, follow me on Twitter if you don't mind. Ask any question you want on my DMs. They're open, they're public, and I have zero regret. I love what everyone says, even when it's sort of strange or not nice, or it's from someone who Coca says doesn't exist and it's a robot with a super awesome picture of that robot, might I add. So the question is, so you want to talk to Samson? It's the following. Would you have settled with Noah Syndergaard? I love easy questions. 
They're short. Don't take up a lot of time. What are we talking about? Noah Syndergaard. Do you know who that is? The Mets pitcher. The Mets pitcher whose arm is currently like this. If you're watching, I'm in an L shape because I've got a brace on because I just had Tommy John. Noah Syndergaard will not be available to pitch until June. The first year back from Tommy John is iffy at best. There is no way to know how good Syndergaard will be. He will not be a number one or number two starter. The best you can hope for is he'll be a four or a five. You don't know how many starts he'll make. You don't know how many innings he'll pitch. You don't know what his velocity is going to be. You don't know whether he'll get hurt again. You just know that the first few months back, he's not going to be the regular Noah Syndergaard. Even if you see him going and throwing 98-99, I promise you inside his head, he is not the same player. The Mets had a very important off-season decision to make. They were never able to come to a long-term deal with him. He is arbitration eligible, the final year of arbitration for him. He's going to be a free agent after this season. And the Mets decided to tender him. What that means is they have agreed to sign him, but they didn't know the number. The number would be cited by an arbitrator if the two sides could not come to an agreement. Well, yesterday, Noah Syndergaard and the Mets settled at $9.7 million. Noah Syndergaard got a raise from $6 million to 9.7. What's interesting to me about the settlement, and you asked why would I have settled? The answer is Syndergaard and the Mets had both equal reason to settle because Syndergaard's story in the room, when you go into an arbitration room, the player puts on a case. The player says, here was my year. Here's what I did. Here's my career. Here's what I've done. Here's next year and what you'd expect from me. Noah Syndergaard has to look at the arbitrators and say, here's my career. Here's what I've done. Here's my year last year. Oopsies. Didn't pitch much. Didn't pitch much because I got Tommy John. And here's my year next year. I may be back in June, but maybe not. By the way, give me money. The Mets speak to the arbitrators and say, okay, here's his career. Damn good. Here's his year last year. Good, but then not helpful. Pitchers who are injured with Tommy John do not get a raise the way other pitchers who have performed, are performing, and will perform will get. Basically, you argue to the arbitrator the size of the raise. Noah Syndergaard got a raise of over $3 million when he's not expected to pitch until June, therefore missing at least the first third of the season. So why would the Mets have agreed to this and why would they pay it? And then it came to me. It's what I would do. Steve Cohn has said he wants a World Series in three to five years. Steve Cohn is in the free agent market. He may sign Trevor Bauer to a long-term deal. He's got DeGrom signed to a long-term deal. He may not have the ability, even with Steve Cohn having the payroll at luxury tax thresholds, to have three starters making huge amounts of money, Syndergaard being the third. 
So therefore, he knows that he's got Syndergaard for one more year. And then after 2021, it's likely if he is healthy and performs, that he's going to go get a huge contract somewhere else. Unless he continues to not be the guy he was, and then he becomes the middle of the rotation guy, in which case maybe the Mets can afford him and pay him, let's say, in the 10 to $15 million range at most. And the Mets also know they've got Marcus Stroman at $18.9 million for one year because he accepted the qualifying offer. And then next year, he's a free agent. So the Mets have great flexibility to sign free agents in 2021. That said, well, for the 2022 season, that said, that'll be year two of the three to five year promise to win the World Series. So therefore, if we can have Noah Syndergaard on our team only from June on, that's better than not having Noah Syndergaard. We might as well tender him and pay him the money. But then Steve Cohen said, but you know what else is true? The MLB season is going to be delayed. And Noah Syndergaard will therefore miss fewer starts than he would have missed if the season had started as projected on March 31st or March 26th or April 1st, whenever the first day of the MLB season is. Because if they only start in June and play 120 games, let's say, or 130 games, Syndergaard keeps healing while they're not playing. So therefore, he can be an even bigger help and a bigger part of the Mets 2021 season. That is a marriage of convenience And they are taking advantage of the reality of the new Major League Baseball timeline, which, by the way, has not been announced publicly. So there are myriad reasons why it makes perfect sense for the Mets not to go into the room, for Noah Syndergaard not to go into the room. But it doesn't answer the second question that you didn't ask that I wish you had, which was, would I have tendered Noah Syndergaard to begin with? And the answer is, Running the Marlins, he is a straight trade, not a non-tender. Because teams with higher payrolls are willing to take a player on Tommy John, nurse him to health. You saw this happen this offseason where a player was signed to a deal where he's going to be injured the first year of the deal. And then like Clevenger signed that two-year deal the first year of which he's just going to miss with the San Diego Padres. But teams are able to take players like that where we with the Marlins were never really able to do a deal like that because we couldn't afford to have a player on this year's payroll not play for us. When the tender date happened, which was December of 2020, would my decision have been impacted by the guarantee that the 2021 season would be delayed? And therefore, like the Mets, I can take advantage of that fact, tender the player, settle with the player, continue to have the player get better during stoppage, and then help us later in 21. The answer is still a hard no for the majority of teams because of the uncertainty regarding even when play begins. We don't know what our revenue will be. We need to pair our expenses and control our losses. Steve Cohn is in the exact opposite situation. He was not a part of the pandemic in 2020. He bought the team knowing he's going to lose money in 2021 and 22, which gives him the ability to make decisions exactly as he made with Syndergaard with this settlement. So the answer is I wouldn't have tendered. If I did tender, I 100% would have settled. Thanks for that question. Noah Syndergaard is a Met. And he's a rich Met. All right, when we come back, we have to have a talk about the show I just finished watching. We just have to. We are going to, I hope, get to some talk of strippers. 
but you'll have to wait to see. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. This is David. We are here on a Wednesday, and we've got some talking to do. We're going to get to some stripper talk, but first we have to talk about something far more serious. You know, I watch a movie every day. I watch a TV series. I watch something. I review it. I suggest when to watch something, when not to watch something. I don't want to just review things that I want you to watch. And once in a while, I watch something that requires a far greater discussion than just a review of the show. I had reviewed Sound of Metal and I was told that Riz Ahmed is in something called The Night Of. I had heard of it, but didn't know anything about it. And I watched it and I watched it over the course of only two days, maybe. It's called The Night Of on HBO. It is an eight hour show. It's like an eight hour movie. It is about a boy who is in the wrong place at the wrong time, maybe, who wakes up from a drug and sex-fueled night of absolute hedonistic pleasure and finds someone dead. What he does then will remind you of your honor because it ain't great. But then you're introduced to John Turturro and you are introduced to the New York criminal justice system. You're introduced to Rikers Island. You're introduced to what happens to someone during the course of a crime being committed to a judgment being rendered and what that road is like. There have been movies and documentaries. Vince Vaughn, great documentary. Cell Block 99, I think it's called. Shawshank Redemption talks about prison, shows some scenes that are not pleasant. There are TV series that talk about life in prison. It's the oldest subject matter in the book. The night of, I'm unabashedly willing to admit, was the single best piece of TV or movie I have seen about the judicial system 
and the way Riz Ahmed acted and the way the writers showed him from a meek boy to a hardened criminal is subtle, scary, and very telling. We spent a lot of time talking about when we were raising money during the pandemic. I don't know if you remember that we did that. We raised $1,000 a day for 100 days while we were growing our beards. By the way, Coke, I just changed your contact picture on my phone. So whenever you call and whenever you text, it is a picture that looks like, I'm going to show it to you, but it's you with your crazy beard. I don't know if you can see it. I'm showing it to you because I know you're watching because you're producing. Here's what happens in the criminal system. A crime is committed. The police are called. Detectives investigate. They try to find suspects. They interview suspects. They decide whether or not they're going to approach the district attorney, who they do approach, then tell a story to. Then the district attorney decides whether or not they want to go forward with the case and press charges on behalf of the state. Then there's something called an arraignment where you can tell a judge whether you want to plead guilty or not guilty. If you plead not guilty, then there is bail that's set. And then there's a bail hearing where the judge decides whether or not there is a bail, whether or not you are a flight risk, whether or not you can afford to pay the bail, not afford to pay the bail. And if you don't pay the bail, can't afford to pay bail or don't get bail, you go into a holding pen until the end of your trial, which can be weeks or months. Riz Ahmed found himself in Rikers Island. For those of you who don't know Rikers Island, if you've ever flown into LaGuardia, it's that island that you, when you're landing on runway 4L and you do the quick turn around City Field and you look out your window on the right and see a lot of barbed wire and say, well, that looks a little like Alcatraz. Rikers Island is a place where people go when they are, you don't go there once you're sentenced. You go there, basically most people don't, are there awaiting trial. If you're innocent and you haven't done the crime, you are still doing the time if you can't raise the bail or if you don't get bail. The night of then goes through what happens and shows him going from scared boy in prison to basically understanding what it is to be a career convict. A purely innocent man, is he innocent? We don't know. What we do know is that in his mind, in order to survive Rikers Island, he's got to become a criminal. And you may think I'm being general and you may think I'm not being fair or I'm being conservative or I'm being liberal. No, I'm talking about a judicial system that needs reform having nothing to do with politics. Because Nobody, regardless of guilt, deserves to be in a prison where your only hope of not getting stabbed, knifed, or becoming a drug addict is that you have an affiliation with a gang or an affiliation with people who protect you 
And by protecting you, they are doing it in a way that is hurtful to you more than you can ever realize. And I don't want to hear from people that it can't happen any other way. When I was uh, running the Marlins, I had an expression, and it's an expression that many people have, actually. And the expression goes as follows. Don't tell me that something can't be done. And don't tell me that something is only done the way you're doing it, because that's how it's always been done. I don't want to hear that. Remember what Einstein said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. We've done the same thing with our judicial system over and over and over again. And you wonder why the recidivism rate is what it is. You wonder why the rehabilitation doesn't happen. You watch the night of, and then tell me if you still wonder, and then let's find a way. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you I've got a solution. Well, I do have a solution, actually. You want to fix what's wrong with our prison system? Let's start by making sure our prison system is financed enough that the proper people are hired in order to make sure the proper services exist, to make sure there's actual care that goes on in the prisons between inmates and correctional officers. Let's make sure that correctional officers are paid enough money so they don't feel the need to make money on the side by doing nefarious things and getting money from prisoners. Let's make sure that bails are set and that the court system understands whether or not someone actually is a flight risk and what we do to have enough social work, enough therapeutic help, enough help within prisons, enough help out of prisons, where we demand that people get that help. Let's make sure that we've got detectives who are not pressured by politicians to make sure arrests are done in a speedy way in order for the rest of us to feel safe that the guy who broke into the house next door or murdered the guy across the street. Let's make sure we arrest someone so we can assume that that person's guilty so we can close our eyes and sleep at night. The reason I'm annoyed about this is I'm frustrated by my lack of ability to make a difference fast enough. And as a control freak freak, type A personality, I watched the eight hours of the night of, and I said to myself, God damn it, I am in pain right now because I used to be the one who said, screw them. Get in prison, I don't care. If you didn't do that, you did something else. I'm the one who used to think that if you didn't, get treated right in prison. You deserved it because of what you did. If you raped or murdered or stabbed or stole. I am not in favor of crime or criminals. As a matter of fact, I'm far more conservative than you think when it comes to punishment, but I'm far more serious about punishing people who actually did something. I got a chance to know Barry Sheck at Cardoza Law School. Barry Sheck started something called the Innocence Project where he would prove people innocent. And I used to think that convicting innocent people was part of the cost of doing business because the overwhelming majority are not innocent who are convicted. That's like me not liking instant replay in baseball. Of course I want instant replay because I want to get the case. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a mistake. I want to get the play right. 
If I have the technology to get the play right, I'm going to use it and I'm going to get the play right. If we know that we can use DNA to get the play right, to get the proper person convicted, we got to use it and we have to use it every time. We have to go back in time and see if we can catch up and right wrongs. Every day we read about someone else getting released from prison after 18 years of being innocent. But do we hear about them after that? Do we know what happens? Why don't you watch the end of the night of and see what happens to Riz Ahmed, who, by the way, is going to have an Oscar in his future. He may even be nominated for Sound of Metal, but we're talking about the level of acting that is phenomenal. John Turturro is a lawyer. Why don't you watch his performance and A, admire his acting, but B, recognize the number of lawyers who are exactly like he is. The number of lawyers who walk in and they take care of clients one after another. The number of DAs who take care of arrests one after the other. The number of detectives, the overwhelming amount of work they all have, which makes it impossible to properly represent everyone. Fix that. The night of. (sighs) Okay. I'd watch it if I were you. Okay, Uh, we got to get to strippers. I don't know how I go from that review of the night of to strippers. Coca, help me do a segue if you can. I don't know if you can, but if you can, can you whisper it to me? Actually, you don't have to whisper because it's only in my ear. See, I can only hear you. No, you don't have one? All right, I'll just do it. James Harden was spotted maskless last night or the night before at a strip club in a party. He likes parties. I wonder if he got little baby like another million dollars of gifts or maybe he was the gift and he just showed up at the strip club. I think he may have said he was buying Christmas gifts or he got a gift for somebody. Whatever the case he was doing, he was at a strip club and he was massless. Dwayne Haskins. Do you know who that is for the Washington football team? How's it going in Washington, by the way? We did that segment yesterday. We did a segment yesterday on, on Washington football team. And then we found out that Dwayne Haskins, their third string quarterback, who then became their second string quarterback, who now is their first string quarterback because Alex Smith, their third string, who became second string and then first string is hurt. I think their first string used to be, I want to say Josh Allen, but I'm sure I'm wrong, but there was a first string quarterback that's now hurt. Dwayne Haskins was spotted at us with strippers without a mask. But he said, don't worry. I wasn't at a strip club. I had the strippers come to my room. I was at a hotel at an indoor party. We were fine. He then apologized, saying it was irresponsible during this playoff run for him to be so distracted and to add a level of distraction to the team that it didn't merit. Am I surprised that the Washington football team has decided at this time, pending further investigation, they will not suspend Dwayne Haskins? Is it a coincidence that they will not suspend Dwayne Haskins for having strippers at a maskless party because he's their number one quarterback and they have a chance to make the playoffs? I'm asking for a friend. What is your view of selective discipline? When you've got three kids, do you discipline them all the same? Or do you choose to discipline them differently? Oh, I can't discipline you and have you miss your sporting event or your recital or your debate 
or your exam or your trip with your friends because you're going to be gone and we're going to have time to ourselves. Ooh, you have a DUI? Damn it, you're our best player. Just please, don't do that again. Ooh, you're our 26th man or you're our overpaid 20th man? Guess what? You're released. I always said I didn't do selective discipline, but I did. And the reason I had to say it is I needed the players to know that I wasn't going to use it even though they knew I would. Everyone knows when they've got leverage and everyone knows how to play that leverage. Do you think Dwayne Haskins for one minute thought that the Washington football team where he knows very well that Daniel Snyder has a moral compass pointed south, that Daniel Snyder has not won and is ridiculed for not winning and Haskins knows where he is on the death chart. Do you think for one minute he thought he was going to get punished? What about James Harden? How's James Harden feeling? Is he a little empowered? Have the Rockets empowered him to the point where he's out of control? The same way the Clippers have empowered Kawhi? The same way superstars get empowered every day? And I've empowered my share. I empowered Hanley. Empowered Pudge. Empowered Stanton. Empowered Yelich. Guys I'm still in touch with, who I like and enjoy. But the reality is, empowering people before they're ready to be empowered will have a deleterious impact on your team and your organization. That's a guarantee. Empowering people who have earned the right to be leaders and in control is very dangerous if you don't know them well enough and don't know what they'll do with that power. Well, we now know what James Harden will do with that power, don't we? How's that working? And now we know exactly about Dwayne Haskins. So I leave it with this. Do you want your owner to spend more money on your team? The answer is 100% yes. Do you want your owner and your GM to trade for and sign the best players? Yes. Do you care if your players do things that are repugnant? Not that strippers are repugnant. Didn't say that at all. But yet they play and they play to a high level. Or do you only care when players do something that starts and ends with not helping your team win. Are you the problem? Am I the problem because I let you be the problem? Am I the problem because I want you to be satisfied because I want you to spend your money on our team and therefore I'm going to have to turn the other cheek, look the other way when things are happening because I have to make sure that I selectively discipline because deep down you want it too, except in your life you recognize and in your place of work you recognize that selective discipline has nothing but negative impacts. I just want you to think about it. But when I'm running something, a business or a team, or you're running your household or you're running your business, 
I know very well what's in your mind when you're deciding about discipline or when you're the one being disciplined. It's just business. It's nothing personal. Here you go. Here you go. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.